Dear listeners, the following recordings were written and produced with you in mind. These episodes will add joy to your life, fill you with inquisitive thoughts, and leave you thinking to yourself, Hey Rob. Hey Kaj. Can Can you you say say that again? again? Welcome to the Say That Again podcast. How many times do I have to hear you record this? (laughs) Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Say That Again podcast, the STA pod, the STA pod. It's your boy, Kaj, here with. Oh, you're not going to. Oh, it's it's your boy, Rob. What's up, guys? I thought, I thought you were going to name drop me and then I was going to come in, but. It's your boy, Rob, wearing a shirt given to him by Kaj. Yeah, that I, was not bought for him by Kaj. That was bought for him by a future guest. I put on, on a sh- I put on a shirt and Kaj was like you need a better shirt and he hands me another shirt. No, it's not that you needed a better shirt. You needed a different shirt. I because was, you've worn that shirt in our last <laughs> 3 or 2 maybe 4 podcasts. I was trying to create a staple <laughs> shirt for the for the show you did it it's it is a staple i'm not i i want it to last for a long time so i needed a break <laughs> <laughs> so Kaj handed me a shirt and uh so now i'm wearing it it says uh what does it say work hard trust god so motto to live by thanks Kaj. yes indeed indeed good and, and thank you mark who you guys will find on the podcast in the near future so well anyway Let's get started with today's episode. Yes. Yeah, I, I, wait, I have a quick problem. Okay, problem, ro- and then we're introducing super, our guest. Super, super quick. This one I realized this week. So I've been, you know, going through my books. You know, I started uh, reading a couple books on the train, and I realized, you know, you get a hardcover book, and they come with those plastic liners. And so I keep having to deal with the plastic liners, and I'm like, this is very frustrating. It keeps sliding off and on. You know what I just realized? You just throw them out. There's no point in keeping the plastic liner on a hardcover book. It adds no value at all. I just had a stack of them one day, and I was like, why am I saving these? These add no value to my life. So I just decided to throw them out. So my problem is I should have thrown those out a long time ago, and I just didn't. So I had to share that. All right. I'm, d- I'm done my rant. That's a good problem. Yeah, that that's is it. Yeah, that's a good one. Hopefully, some some people can follow in my footsteps and not waste their time with that. Like how we keep the iPhone box for forever, just because we feel like it adds it has some sort of value to it. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Rob is a man of many things, and one of those things is problems. And in college, we dubbed Rob's problems as problems, and. He's all about transparency and connecting with you on a deep level. So <laughs> wow. we continue to share his problems. <laughs> and now, actually, I have another problem to share oh, for you. Oh, man. Oh, man. Is it is it a problem or a Kajlum? It's a problem that was solved by Kaj. Okay. One of Rob's highest priority guests is currently sitting across from us. It's true. Mr. Bob Wright. This man is... I think we can say you're a celebrity. I think... Oh. <laughs> no you could say that it's your it's your thing it's your podcast i know let me say this i know in rob's mind you're a celebrity yeah i'll take that a, I, a, I, a list in my I mind i think for since before the first episode rob was like i want to get bob right on the podcast since since before we even started you were, i think you the were reason on... rob wanted to start a podcast was to get you on the podcast wow yeah so i just want to let you know this is a big moment for us but Rob, for some reason, just isn't very convincing in getting people on the podcast. He has, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you guys have a pretty good working relationship. He was afraid to ask me. Yeah, I think I think you were just. So I was a, I was a little tears. I was a little starstruck. I'm not gonna lie. I know I know I know you're not like that. But I was a no, little. I'm not. I know you're not like that at all in any way, shape, or form. I had that effect on my daughter's boyfriends too. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why are you afraid of me? <laughs> so, I have one or maybe two conversations with Bob and I just kind of give him that look and that wink of on the podcast. And he's like, Oh yeah, I want to come with the podcast. And here he is. <laughs> so I, I solved that, that problem. He did. <laughs> well, part of the reason I'm here is because Rob saved my life. 
Oh, that's a story I have to hear. Wait, I have to hear this too. Well, wait, wait, before we get into that story, I just want to finish introducing oh, you. Sure. So, Bob is a member of our church at Covenant Fellowship. He is a entrepreneur, a businessman, a father, husband, grandfather, loved by his community, um, also a community group leader. And among many things that we'll talk about today, one of them is generosity, something that the Lord has taught him and he has taught other people as well. So I think thank you. Thank you for being here. Something to add to that. He's not just a church member. He is one of the original church members who picked up his entire life from Maryland to plant the church that we're members at today. So our privilege, we, got, we moved up here in 1984 to help plant Covenant Fellowship. So I just was, I wanted well, my, to add that. My entire life was much smaller then, so it was a lot easier to move. <laughs> if I had to move it again, it'd be harder. <laughs> but back a lot then, more roots now. Yeah. Right, but praise the Lord, we are, it's our privilege to be part of what God's right. been doing here since 1984. Nope. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's go right into that story. I want to hear so about So Rob saved my life. I was, border, I was bordering on a mental breakdown because we had bought our new house, which was not a new house. It was a rehabbed house in Upper Providence. And uh, I didn't realize when we got into it, I knew there'd be unexpected issues. But one of the issues was that there were these gigantic rocks two inches below the surface in our backyard. And I didn't know that till uh, uh, Josh Komorowski started removing them at our request. He said, would you like me to remove these rocks? Sure. Well, there were 14 of them. And it ripped up the whole backyard, and we had to replant seed and seed oh, the front and the backyard. I remember and I was this. spending four hours a day watering. <laughs> I remember. And this. it was cold. It was the early fall, and I, my hands were freezing, and I had other things I had to do. Four hours and two hours in the morning, and two hours at night. It was so. That's a lot of water. And he was in college, and he saved me. He came over and started w- coming over regularly, watering the grass for me, and gave me my life back. So thank you for saving me. <laughs> yeah, life. I was. I, you know, I remember this. I remember you telling us you had a water. Yeah, it, it was grass. it was the kindest job anyone's ever gifted me because it was very minimal work. It was just inconvenient hours, and so very I, inconvenient. But it really saved me because I was at my wits' end by the time I, you know, because I d- didn't want to spring for a. An irrigation system we would never use regularly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, thank you for doing that. that yeah. Great. Wow. That, that, just, that just brought back so many memories. That was <laughs> That's so funny. Just those cold mornings waking up. I remember one morning I woke up and uh, it was like maybe 4.30 in the morning and I hear, Rob, and it's, uh, it's Mr. Corrigan dropping Matt Corrigan off at college in, in the minivan. And he's, he's called out to me at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was just, it was, I was in such a daze. That's so funny. Wow. All right, thank you. So, wow. Well, thank you. Because that helped me very much in college. Um, but anyway, so, Bob, thanks for coming on. Yep. Uh, so, I guess for those of you who don't know you, Let's get into your background a little bit. So I, th- I think first things first. Uh, so what do you do for work right now? So so what do you do for work? Um, I guess kind of where do you live, currently reside, okay. and, um, you know, the family situation. We'll, okay. uh, we'll move into that, but yeah. Okay. Uh, how far back do you want to go with the family situation? Childhood. Okay. Childhood. Without all, every detail. So I'm the oldest of eight. And Catholic family. Uh, grew up in South Jersey, and uh, my parents were generous at home because they had eight kids or ten of us. And my dad was in education, a teacher, and then became an administrator, then a college professor. But education didn't pay very well back then, and uh, they're not, not as unionized over there as they were in Pennsylvania. So, but at any rate, uh, my parents were very generous with. Our family, not just our immediate family, but other family members, and reaching out and meeting needs that they didn't have to meet. And uh, I, I can remember uh, an embarrassing story from when I was a teenager when we had taken in my great aunt who was recovering from alcoholism and her two kids. And uh, I remember being so frustrated at some one point, and I said to my my parents, "Why do they have to live here?" 
I was so selfish. <laughs> my parents were, had opened up their hearts to these people, people that needed our care so much. And my cousin is so grateful for, for you know, to talk about literally saving your life. He felt like my parents saved his life mm. and uh, may, may have actually, but um, at any rate, but my parents are very you know, generous to us. But uh, I went away to College of American University in D.C., and um, that's, that was a big deal for me. I mean, I wasn't serving the Lord. I went to Mass twice. I was raised as a Catholic, but, you know, got out of my parents' home and went to Mass twice in college, and that was it, you know, for religion. Uh, so I just followed my own <laughs> footsteps and partied and did things that college kids do. And I got a job with a real estate appraiser when I was a junior in college. And I didn't know that would be my career, but it, it began a real estate career. What did you study in college? I was a political science major. I thought I wanted to be an attorney. Mm. But when I got the job with the real estate appraiser, we actually worked with attorneys. And actually, my boss did a lot of courtroom expert testimony. Mm. So I got to spend a lot, many hours in a courtroom. And I, boy, I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> the lawyers, they would just try to rip the expert witness apart. It got really personal. It was just pretty ugly and then and, and if you if they weren't doing that then there was a lot of boring things that lawyers have to do and plus but frankly i didn't have the aptitude i took some law courses and enjoyed some aspects of it but when it came to the exams like i just didn't have the natural bent toward the law i just didn't i had have a different reaction it's like that's not right that's the law <laughs> Oh, oh, that's the law, but I guess that's why we have to do it, huh? Yeah, it's, it's tough business. So anyway, I did mediocre on the LSATs, but I'd already had a job with an appraiser then. But um, Washington is very important to me because it's where Val and I started out. We met at the shore in New Jersey. I was visiting my sister, uh, my future wife, uh, and um, she was finishing up at Rutgers, Douglas College. I was down in D.C. I'd gotten out of school. I was working full-time for this real estate appraiser thinking that I would go to grad school, maybe to become an urban planner or something like that. I'd kind of given up on law school and uh, with my mediocre LSAT <laughs> test scores. And uh, so eventually uh, Val, when she got out of school, decided to move down to Washington to see if this was going to work. And by then I had read Mere Christianity. Mm. Yeah, and by C.S. Lewis spoke to me and gave me the gift of faith. As I read each chapter, I laughed out loud because I believed them. Well, what what drew you to read Mere Christianity? That seems like- It was like sitting in a, in a, on a table and she, I, I, I was searching. I had some sense of like wanting to know God, but, and had some ideas from my Catholic school background. And when I was a little kid, I was a little devout Catholic kid. Right. Maybe you want to be a priest, Bob. You know, I, we had, uh, in my family, we had, my great aunt was a nun, my great uncle was a priest and my great, great uncle was a Monsignor. So wow. we had all that going on. Okay. So it was real heavy duty Catholic, Irish Catholic family. And, um, and my dad, when I was 13, I found out, I saw, I found a picture at my grandmother's house. I was visiting. I said, I held the picture. I said, grandma, what's this? She said, they never told you? No, grandma, you're... Well, Bob, your dad went to seminary. I, it was a picture of my grandmother and my father standing behind their house, and my dad was dressed up like a priest. Oh. No way. I never knew that. I knew him as the father of eight kids. Right. Yeah. Mother, I was to my mom. So. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, so Val came down, and we, when she moved down, we were looking for a church, and, we lo and she knew the tag. She had heard about tag, a rumor about tag, which is where Larry... Tom yep. Zuck and C.J. Mahaney were teaching on Tuesday nights, and she had heard a rumor about that. And we called around trying to find the, where they were meeting. It was hard. It was almost like an underground. They were hiding yeah, it. Even yeah, even though there were like t between 1,200 and 2,000 kids, young people there on Tuesday nights. But oh, my gosh. Eventually, we found it. And that was- There was no Instagram. That, right. was, <laughs> that was like a mile from where I went to college, where I was partying hardy and doing all that stuff. Oh, wow. They were meeting down there the whole time I was in college, or part, part of the time I was in college. And- uh so, but I started visiting TAG and as we visited a few other churches and eventually um, we asked uh, somebody at the book table in the back, uh, where do these guys go to church? Where do the people here go to church? Well, everybody goes to church everywhere. I mean, because their youth leaders bring their whole youth groups from churches. 
you know, from the Washington metro area oh. to, to this Tuesday night meetings. That's right. one of the ways the numbers got so high. Right. They weren't right, coming right. by themselves. Uh, and he said, are you in a church? We said, no, we're not in a church. He says, are you, you're not in a church. You wanted to make sure, because they did not believe in stealing sheep. Mm, they just started, right. No, that's fair. They just started this church. Yeah. It was called the Gathering of Believers. Right. And um, so uh, he, he gave us directions to get to the Cedar Club. That's where they met up in, in Silver Spring. And uh, so we started going there. And uh, But really, Tag, I learned how to worship and praise the Lord there. And uh, it was part of the charismatic renewal or you know, revival. And uh, and then of course going to um, church and being taught by Larry and CJ and other brothers, and that's where I met, met Bill Patton, which was really crucial. Yeah, you've, I know you've had him on your podcast, yep. and uh, loved it, loved it, loved Bill and Sue, and um, they were instrumental in that. Uh, well, Bill picked me out, and he said they started having men's and ladies community groups or care groups, whatever they called it back then, cell groups, and. Uh, he noticed that I really didn't know anybody yet. I was brand new. And he said, well, Bob, um, unless unless you have some other group to be in, why don't you come to my group? I'm like, okay. So uh, that began a really strong relationship and his investment in my life that has made all the difference over the years. And Bill and Sue, uh, they refer to us as their first victims. <laughs> <laughs> because we were the first couple they took through premarital counseling. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, and we're hanging tough. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you guys are going strong. September 1, 44 years. So you guys, wow, you this guys Friday. are less victims and more survivors. So oh, anyway. well, early yeah. congratulations. Yeah, well, congrats. Thank you. Yeah. We're recording this on August 29th, okay. on a Tuesday. Yeah, great. So, so Bill and Sue, and um, when we talk about more about generosity, I don't know, gonna, he, big, his, his dad was a Christian businessman. And... Uh, one of the most generous people you could meet. And so I learned a lot from his dad. His dad was in our church, his dad and his mom, and many of his brothers and sisters, which he yeah, had many. Yeah, the church started at the Patton home, right? In their basement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, was, I wasn't there. <laughs> I, I wasn't in that infamous picture, or famous picture, excuse me, famous picture <laughs> in the basement of the Patton's home. Yeah. I wasn't in that picture, but it wasn't that long after that uh, you know, we started going to that church. But, you know, but the Lord, the Lord is good. The Lord is so good to us, has been so good to us to give us faithful friends like Bill and so especially, and and uh, just the, the spiritual investment that he made in our lives that, that I believe has paid off, you know, for us it has. Yeah. So we're so grateful for, for what they, they've done for us then and over the years. So, Praise God. That's good to hear. Yeah. Because he was a senior pastor. We followed, we were led here to plant the church, Bill and so we're, we're right. leading back then. Yep. So, yeah. So Bring, bringing it to, to current day. Uh, so you said you had a job with a real estate appraiser, and then that eventually turned into your career? So in 1981, I worked for the appraiser from May of 74 until like June of 1981. So I finished up college. He helped me get through college. His, his secretary used to type my papers. <laughs> I'm an IBM selector with self-correcting <laughs> keys. Amazing. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about. But anyway, it was, it was great. They look great. But I uh, got out of school and... I had come to the Lord and I prayed and I asked the Lord, uh, <clears throat> what do you want me to do with my life? I didn't assume anything. I just felt like I wanted to just be open to whatever he wanted me to do. And this was before, let's say, I was living in Bethesda then. So it's before Val had moved down even. But uh, I felt like the Lord gave me a word, housing. As we as we go on, you'll just see. Yeah, right yeah, here. yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable that he. I really believe he gave me a word, and I started offering to help uh, tenant organizers uh, with real estate, like technical um, expertise that I had, to uh, enable them to help their tenants buy their buildings that they lived in. In D.C., there was a right of first refusal for tenants. If someone okay. wanted to buy a building, they had to first. The seller had to first offer it to the tenants after and to match the the third party uh, contract. Got it. So I was helping these organizers and they were so happy to have like a, a real estate insider, yeah. you know, helping them. And I would do it for nothing at first, but then when I realized they weren't taking me seriously because I didn't charge them, I started charging them. Right. No, that's fair. Not much, but modest. And then my name shot around town and I started doing appraisal work for banks, that kind of work for 
tenant in, called tenant initiated conversions, condos and co-ops. And uh, then it just morphed into just doing uh, multifamily appraisals. So I've specialized in multifamily appraisals for, for decades. Okay. That, the Lord gave me that specialty and uh, I enjoyed doing, I enjoyed being specialized. Back then appraisers did not specialize. Oh, interesting. But very few did, but I did. And then the, when the Lord moved us to Philadelphia, I just moved up to Philadelphia and started working, you know, New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. I added it to Maryland, Virginia, and DC. So now I had six, you know, states. Or, six states that you were that working on. Yeah. And I was, so I was, diver I only did one property type, but I was diversified by market. Right. Not my idea. Great business plan. I can't take any credit for it because we didn't go up there for that. Right. But it was right, a great right. business plan to be able to do that, go up and down 95. And it was a hassle driving back and forth, but <laughs> it was course. one of the sacrifices. But it was a, you know, moving up here. But it was a great thing because the lifestyles were mellow up here. Prices were easier to pay, pay and for housing, et cetera. And, uh, and of course, the Lord wanted us here. That's yeah. really why we're here. Right. And uh, so that worked out over the years. But um, so that, so I did that uh, for decades and had a good reputation uh, because we wanted to do it right for the Lord. I, I was... I was esteemed in the in the in the by my reputation that it developed over the years because we, we wanted to do it for the Lord. So when a, a high up guy, Fannie Mae, said, "Why why do you do what you do the way you do it?" and I said, "Well, I'm not. Frankly, I'm not trying to please you. I'm not trying. I'm not worried about you." I said, mm. "Before anybody reads my reports, the Lord reads my reports." Yeah. So if I'm not being honest and doing a really good job, he knows it. And why would I want to give him anything less than that? Yeah. Right. That's good. You know? I'm like, yeah. it just rolled out of my mouth. And I said that to him. Okay. <laughs> Some official in the Fannie Mae headquarters in downtown Washington, D.C. <laughs> but but it was true that we felt like, you know, um, the Lord had given us this opportunity to have our own business. So from 1982, I was self-employed. So when I moved up here, it was just me and a part-time guy. And uh, started out up here. And did you move up here with the plan to start your own business? Like after you I tried to get a job, I, I, I interviewed with a couple of appraisal companies, and it just didn't seem to work out. It just didn't seem to work out. And then after about six months of kind of dancing, I was doing. I had some still had assignments to do from Washington. The Lord gave me work. Yeah, uh, I can go in a lot of details about how God really took care of us, giving us work through that time period. Um. I just I got this sense that I the Lord wanted me to have the freedom to to be able to serve a church mm -hmm. and economically it would be better for me not to be working for somebody else and yeah. I'd be able to have a quality standard that I couldn't keep if I worked for somebody else in the way they would push the work out the door. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so that's how that worked out, and I got to work with uh, Andy Farmer work with me for seven years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and didn't and didn't the pastors work out of the office? You guys Alan had a Red, shared Alan office Redwood space. Worked, Alan Redwood worked for me for a couple of years. <laughs> I had another pastor from uh, D.C. work with me when we were down there. I mean, I've had a number of guys come through my, you know. That's so great. Yeah, it's funny. Even um, Drew from. Uh, oh, Drew Chapman, yeah. Yeah, he worked for us briefly up here on our property management company. Yeah. So I've had a number of. Guys that became pastors. I even worked for you guys for two weeks too. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm a pastor, but <laughs> there you go. I felt the love. He's an intern. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> right. But God gave you know gave us a company, and uh, you know it says what see a man who's skilled in his work he will not he will serve before kings will not serve before obscure men. It's like I I took that seriously and I, mm. I felt like the Lord wanted me to be skilled in my work. Yeah. And he gave me this talent this is expertise which i i thought it wasn't that hard but like i can't fix a car for instance mm. but guys that know how to fix a car would say bob it's easy you just do this yeah <laughs> well same with appraising you know it it, it kind of came more naturally to me and some other people not doesn't doesn't come to everybody so but it was a thing i was suited for and uh by doing that over the years i always had this desire to to invest in multifamily communities and in 2003, the Lord gave us the first opportunity to, to do that. Before that, we owned one townhouse. So <laughs> my first deal was 200 units. <laughs> so I went from one to 200. It's <laughs> a big jump. 
<laughs> big jump. But it was the Lord. Because uh, yeah. I looked in the mirror and went, okay, Lord, I've been praying for this, and now you did it. Okay, I just got to do this. So we did it. It was very hard. It revealed a lot of weaknesses in me and insecurities, and the Lord had to rebuild me. You know, I was depressed. I was bummed out. I was being successful, actually, but I didn't couldn't feel that way. I just felt like, gee, I could just go down and my reputation would be lost. Our capital would be gone. I have to work for the rest of my life. Even though, look, I'm 68. I still work. I don't care. I mean, but I was all upset about it then. Right. Oh, what if I have to keep working? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but the Lord, that, that actually turned out to be successful. I brought in partners, got my life back. And that's when we started doing some business in Costa Rica for a couple of years. When uh, started in 2006, when um, uh, the market here, I couldn't find anything to invest in for apartments. And, and my surfing uh, guru down there kind of <laughs> wanted me to partner with him. And I thought, that sounds like fun. So we did some stuff that wasn't actually that much fun, <laughs> the business part of it. But I yeah. uh, did that for a number of years. And uh, But in the meantime, I was still my appraisal business going. And... Uh, and tw from 2012 on, we really were able to start uh, buying more communities. So 2007, we bought one, but 20. So not until 2012 did we really start stacking them up. So now we have 10. And okay, we're settling on another one tomorrow. Wow! Wow! Well, so, thank you for being here tonight. We appreciate that. Well, uh, I've got a good team. <laughs> that's important. I have so many business questions that I want to ask you, but that's not why we brought you on for this episode so. okay okay yeah we'll, uh, we'll shift gears to generosity now well i i kind of wanted to to touch base on, on the spiritual a little more okay if that's okay yeah yeah just had a, a few more questions so you you touched base on like you you went from uh you know partying in college to reading near christianity to finding a church with val so during that yeah that period at what point did you feel the spirit tug on you? Um, you know, because you said you always kind of had that curiosity, but at what point did you feel like that curiosity was so overwhelming? And then at what point do you feel like you officially gave your life over to the Lord? And then how hard was it to change the life that you were living at the time? So I was coming out of a, bad relationship that I was the real perpetrator, you know? And, uh, so when I met Val, I was actually trying to get away from girls. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't very good at anything before I became a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, um, I still was pretty full of myself and, but I, my first prayer was God, get me out of this hmm. in that situation I was in. And uh, so that was just my first prayer. God, get me out of this. And he, but back to doing what I was doing, partying and everything, you know. Uh, I um, found out that I was not in control. I uh, went to party across the street from my house in Bethesda and, uh, should have just gone home and gone right back to bed. I'm leaving out a few details. And instead, I, I got one of my roommates to help me shovel out my car. I got in the car and drove it to New Jersey. And got pulled over going 102 miles an hour north of Baltimore, about 20 minutes north of Baltimore. Oh, yikes. And the policeman didn't give me a ticket. Or he gave me a ticket, but he, it said must appear. And I w got out of my car. He didn't make me. This is back 77. This is Things were different then. These, the cops were so excited, I think, because they were going south and I was going north. So they must have gone 130 miles an hour to catch me. <laughs> <laughs> so they had all the adrenaline pumping through them when they got they to you. They were just happy they got me and no one got hurt. Yeah. It was, right. it was two, three, two 3 or 3.30 in the morning. It was like the moon was out. It was just really snow on the side of the road, but the road was clear. And uh, But I, the, he said, I said, is there a way you can give me, just make this a big fine and no court appearance? And they're like, Get in the back seat and we'll talk about it. I'm like, okay. Got in the back seat. <laughs> smelled like a distillery, but I got in the back seat and we talked about it. They let me go. And uh, I drove back up to New Jersey. They said, no, you, you got up here. So I had to go to court. And it shook me up. It shook mm. me up. I should have been. Nowadays, they just throw you in jail. But uh, it shook me up because 
I was a partier, but I was not a drunk driver. Right, right. I was not a drunk driver. That night I was a drunk driver. And uh, the speed, I mean, I, maybe I could, I, I was out of control at that, that, that speed. It didn't matter if you're driving well or not, you shouldn't be going that fast. Right. So Especially snow on the road, cold. No snow on the road. It was clear. That's right. The moon was out. It's snow beautiful. on the side of the roads. Still get excited thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I had these heavy boots on. I couldn't even feel the accelerator. Uh, at any rate, no excuse. But but it really shook me up. And the um, the uh, patrolman that pulled me over when I went to court and they told the story. They told the judge. The judge asked him, "Was there any alcohol involved?" And they they said, uh, "Well, we don't know about that." But he did say something about a girlfriend. We thought he might be upset or something, and that's what why he was driving so fast. Wow. So then I, when I went to pay the fine, the, the policeman came back, just happened to be walking by, and I shook it, pulled out my, put my hand out, and I said, can I thank you for saving my life, and thank mm. you for pulling me over. So his name was Sergeant Hash. I won't forget that. Wow. So anyway, but that, that, was, that really shook me up. But it, was, it took months. It was not, you know, I was going, starting to go to church, starting to read the Bible. Just, it took months, but really uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a tape that I had from C.J. Mahaney called Knowing God, and I played that thing to death. It was a sermon? Yeah, yeah. And I need to go back. I don't know if C.J. will remember. It was, I think they just celebrated the 50th year since since that book came out. J.I. Packer book? Yeah, Knowing God. Yeah. So it was out for five years before I had that tape. So I have to ask Brother C.J. If that was what it was based on. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember. But it was influential, and the and the teaching that I was getting, uh, you know, when I walk into uh, that, really feeling the <clears throat> sensing the presence of God, sensing the Holy Spirit, you know, and God spoke to me and just brought me into His arms. And so when I uh, made, I, I sense Him calling me, and I remember uh, being afraid to propose the vow. I, I didn't trust myself. Mm. And uh, my parents had always been faithful to each other as far as I knew. And I didn't think I could do that. Mm. And uh, when the Lord gave me this gift of faith and he revealed himself as the eternal God who loved me completely and who would always love me and would never let me down, uh, I realized he would enable me by his grace to be able to love my wife that way. So I proposed to her and she said, I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that, is that true? She actually said that. Yeah. <laughs> Week, 10 days. She got back to me. No, it, it was appropriate because yeah. I, the way I asked her, it was so offhanded. It was, I deserve that. I would deserve worse, <laughs> but I, she knew me as the guy who wouldn't, didn't want to get married. Mm. Not the guy who's on his knees asking for, you know. Wow, you know, yeah, okay. So anyway, so and she didn't want to take advantage of the new believer, you know, which I was. She had known the Lord. She knew, wow. you know, she knew Christ. So anyway, so that's that's that part of story. So, but God, but God brought me into a church where I could be discipled. Yeah. And Bill discipled me and uh, gave me books to read. Bill Patton gave me books to read and um, about the basics of Christianity and ministry of the Holy Spirit and so and then talking about generosity or Christian stewardship uh, when I I was I lent uh, $10,000 to a family member to start a business and I borrowed 5000 from my boss and $5,000 from the bank to be able to do this. And I didn't even believe in this proposition, but it was a close family member who wanted to do this badly. So I said, okay, I'll help you. So long story short, he lost the money and couldn't pay me back. He had uh, some real estate, but he sold that and put that in the business too before he paid me back. I wasn't gonna get paid back. And I remember going to a, a cell group with Bill Patton and, and I said, Bill, can I, can I ask you a question? <laughs> I said, I got this situation. And I explained it to him. And he said, Bob, it seems like you're thinking that that person owes the money. He goes, 
that person does owe you the money, but that person doesn't owe the bank and doesn't owe your boss. They're your debts. And I realized he was right. I was deluded. I was completely deluded. I thought, well, I'll just get the money and give it to the, you know, like I was just, but it was worse than co-signing, you know, but I didn't know anything <laughs> yeah, about, I didn't know anything about the Bible, what it said about money. And he said, Bob, um, why don't you come over to my house and we'll talk some more about this. I think I can help you. And uh, so he gave me a book. Uh, the first thing he said to me was when we got, I got there was like, so you didn't go to the seminar we had Christian and his finances two months ago? I said, <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought I knew about money because I was in the financial business. Right, know? right, right, right. I had this, you know, real high level calculator and knew all this stuff. And I was like, no, I didn't know anything. I was ignorant. I was a fool. So Bill gave me a book. And I think, I really believe it was a book uh, written by Howard Dayton, who I've gotten to know. Uh, uh, he's kind of a, he's a Christian uh, educator, but he was a real estate guy, but who devoted his life to Christian financial education. And uh, so Bill gave me this book, but the, the best thing about this book was how I used it, uh, how the Lord led me to use it. In the back, there were scripture references by categories. And I looked up every one and hand wrote them out. Mm. And the Lord just burned them into me. I can't remember them word for word, but he burned them into me. Right. You and internalized them. Yes. Yes. And I realized how <laughs> foolish I was. Uh, one of my favorite verses back then still is maybe is, you know, there is a way that seems you know right to a man, but in uh -huh. the end it leads to death. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So I really couldn't trust myself. I needed to, to be reprogrammed according to God's word right. and his will. So that's what I'm still spending my life trying to do. So, but by God's grace, he's drawing me closer to that goal. So, so, so you were first confronted with financial stewardship in a situation where what you did was not wise. Foolish. Yeah. Foolish and plus a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, over the top. How do you think my new wife felt when I, when I was, was going to ask that too? Because I've heard I've heard that story before. Yeah, with more detail. Yeah, uh, but so so that that happened. Yes, you got counseling from Bill. Yes, and then the Lord takes you on this journey beyond that. So it's not even just okay. Let's not repeat that, but going into generosity. And understanding that wh why God gives us finances, you know, it's to meet our needs and the meet, meet, then meet the needs of others. Yeah. It's not just for us, mm. you know, and yeah. he, it's, it's a tool that he puts in our hands for his purposes and for his glory. So I wanted to live for Christ and bring him glory and do as well. And so that meant for us starting to really track our finances, live with a budget. And, that, and by doing that, per, on a personal level, that actually, I did that for a couple of years. And then when I went into business for myself, I, could, I did the same thing with my business books, just some, sing, single entry at first. And then Val took over the personal finance bookkeeping, which she still does. And then I did the business bookkeeping. And then eventually we got a bookkeeper to do. Or Val, Val did the bookkeeping for many years of the business too. So she was really heavily involved and has always been involved in the business. Although... She's a few years ago. I said, I think it's time for you to be an owner and not be worried at all about the books. So she does our personal bookkeeping, which is really important. Uh, but uh, as far as any, we have a lot of accounting and it just, we have bookkeepers. We have accounts that do all yeah. that stuff now. So she's an owner uh, with me so, of our property. So that's awesome. Yeah. But, it, but it, along with Bill, so Bill would share with things with me, and I got to meet his. Have well, I, I knew his dad? I'd met his dad before, but I got into a relationship with his dad. His dad was a Christian businessman. His dad was very generous. His dad, Bill, was raised in a house where uh, they lived mo very modestly compared to what his dad made, because his dad would send money out to missions all the time, and. Uh, one of the things that Bill taught me, uh, echoing his dad, was if you if you see rough times ahead in your business, start giving money away. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, that was just do that. <laughs> so in faith, you know, right? And it's not that it's not a, a, a like a prosperity teaching or something like that. It's in the Word. You know, God wants to give us give us seed. He wants us to plant seed. He, he has is a cycle that he, that He's established, and uh, unbelievers do it too. It's a principle that God's built into the world. Yeah, you know. So, so Bill's dad was a very big influence on me in terms of Christian business business person. So tell 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 us a story. So now, right, you had that moment, foolish moment, learn, gain wisdom. Yep. When was there like a pivotal story where a situation was put in front of you, and the Lord was like, "Okay, I want you to be generous." How did you react to that? Well. I- I prefer my wife tells those stories about me, <laughs> but we would, I'd see opportunities and God, I would be led to seed money into right. situations at church, especially. Was it difficult at then. first? Uh, or, or not, maybe well, that's well, the wrong word. The first, no, at first, I remember, at first, I remember opening my wallet and in a collection plate, putting 20s in. Well, I was a Catholic. I was used to putting ones in, <laughs> if anything. Now I'm putting twenties in, and then when I learned about tithing and about you know the, what the Bible said, and, and 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 that God would give me grace to do more than that. Uh, I mean, the first thing in terms of generosity is, is knowing God's generosity and trust, trusting God really, gratitude and trust. You know, uh, so. Forgiving that person that owed me the ten thousand dollars and God got us out of that debt in a year—that mm. was a miracle. Mm. So that wasn't necessarily being generous, right? But my generous Lord told me to forgive him, yeah. and it built your faith. Absolutely. So that—that that was kind of like, okay, I can go to God and God can lead me, and He did, and He does. So. I don't hear perfectly all the time, but I, I wanted to go to him and ask him and uh, and trust him. So it was a big that was a big step. But just I, I don't know I don't have anything dramatic. Uh, like we would just do what we felt like the Lord wanted us to do. We'd had a lot of hospitality. We were leading a community group back then. Um, we were we were living in the in D.C. at the at the tip of the diamond. Well, actually, we were in Silver Spring, Maryland, but we were. Our condo backed up to the DC line, and so our community group was the southernmost community group in, okay. in Covenant Fellowship or Covenant Life, rather. And um, so uh, our our area was uh, from the belt from from uh, East West Highway to Florida. Okay, wow. <laughs> <laughs> there was only one church then. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> That's funny. So we could pick in everybody we wanted to. Yeah, south. But anyway. Uh, but moving, so for us, okay, 1984, being asked to consider to move to Philadelphia. It, it's, I don't want to make something else, but you're, I'm going to answer your question this way. Right. The Lord put that on our hearts to immediately say yes. Bill and Sue asked us to consider moving up there to quote unquote be their friends. You're like, yeah, right, Bill. <laughs> uh, so, but God, uh, when he was going to go to Cleveland, we we're like, no, that's a hard no. You know, we're not going to Cleveland. But when he said Philadelphia, we felt immediate. we were out the day he asked us to consider moving up there. My wife and I are actually out looking for a house in Silver Spring that day. No way. So when we stopped by their house at his request that afternoon and they asked us, he said, will you pray about it? And Val and I looked at each other and smiled and go, well, we'll pray about it, but we're coming. We knew immediately that we were supposed to come. Wow. But that was the Lord. Because one of my unbelieving appraiser friends shared with me, he said, Bob, you're committing professional suicide. You don't know anything about Philadelphia. You were a kid up there. All your business contacts and all your knowledge of real estate are in the D.C. area. What are you doing? And I laughed, and I said, I'm going to Philadelphia. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I had a sense that God wanted us to do that, and it was in faith. So it's there's different kinds of generosity. Right. It's whole life generosity. Yeah. It's not just how much money you give. Right. It's, it's how you orient your life toward what God's will is. Talk, talk more about that whole, whole life generosity. I haven't heard it phrased that way before. So, uh, so w- when you're in situations, you're you're looking to we have a, we serve a generous God. He's aware of all the needs, and I believe He puts us in situations so that we can see the needs that He 
sees and, and meet them as he would allow us, enable us to meet them. So that whole life means all the time. So it could be just, you know, at a, having breakfast a couple of days ago and seeing this couple that looks look just like, you know, our, the way we used to be. And they were having breakfast, so we took care of it. You know, just a little thing. Right. But um, other situations, uh, if time, so you have time and you have expertise, you know, and you have your resources. So putting in your time to serve somebody, I mean, we used to always, like nobody uh, hired moving <laughs> companies when we were younger. Mm. We'd all, you know, move each other around like crazy. So people helped me move up here from, from Maryland. Oh, geez, I wouldn't do that again. No way, <laughs> I don't have to. But as far as the, the physical moving, but um, uh, just applying it to just all, all your situations. It's not just money and it's not just about tithing or, you know, whether you tithe them out of the gross, that's not, you know, that's not the question. It's how does God want you to, to spend your time and how does he want to use your expertise? Uh, I have the privilege of helping churches at times with their real estate issues. So an avocation of mine is to be able to help churches connect with their real estate. Mm. So it could be counseling. It could be helping them with arranging for financing. And there could be other things that I don't want to talk about. So, But there's different ways that churches, they, they, we, all churches need real estate either to lease right. or to own. And uh, a lot of times, like, God blessed our church plant in Malvern. You know, I got... I had the privilege of being part of that team to, that would meet with the ladies and the and the interim pastor for First Baptist uh, Church of Malvern and watch God move on their hearts. And they chose to give that property to yeah. our, the church we planted. Yeah, which is incredible. Amazing, amazing. So, yeah. I, I really liked how you talked about, and I, I know you, you kind of laughed it off, Saying it's not the prosperity, we're not teaching the prosperity gospel. But you said, you know, when hard times are coming, give away more money, right? right? And uh, by no means are we preaching the prosperity gospel. But like, I feel like that's a really hard concept for people, you know, especially people who might be in the red with their finances, who who might find themselves, um, you know, just in a in a difficult position where they have little to no money to give. Uh, well, what would you say to people in those kind of positions who? who want to gear their heart towards generosity, but just find that they have no room. You know, I know you spoke to time and, uh, and resources and expertise, but yeah. you know, God does call us to give up our finances. So, so we're all, so we're all on a journey. Okay. And we're all in different places. Uh, I wasn't always as equipped financially to do, to be able to, to do the things I can do now. So when I was younger, so when I started out, okay, I didn't know how God wanted me to even use my whatever finances I had already. Uh, I was squandering them, really. Uh, and so I'd gotten into debt, excessive debt. I wasn't living for God. I was spending the money the way I felt like I wanted to spend it, and I was borrowing money I shouldn't have borrowed. And that's what a lot of people find themselves doing. It's kind of mm -hmm. the American way of life. Yeah. Yes. So first of all, to, to kind of look in the mirror and see where you're at. And uh, for a Christian, it's asking God, you know, what, how can I, how can I serve you this way, Lord? I'm not. I don't feel like I'm bringing you a glory because I owe all these people this money, and I can't. I don't have. I don't want to give you. I don't want to give anything to anybody because I'm so in debt and I'm so locked up. And it could be times where people just aren't making enough money and they, they may need a different job. Uh, or it could be something dramatic, something move move out of the house, they're into a different house. Or I've had to counsel people just, just to help them get into homes. You've got to sell your car. That nice car you just bought, you got to get rid of that sucker. No, I don't want to get rid of that. I know you don't want to. I look them right in the eye. I know you don't want to get rid of that car. You want the house or you want the car? I want the house. <laughs> wow, yeah. You know? So a simple thing there, but that's, but really going to the Lord and and asking Him to to help you to give you the grace, because when we think about, uh, it's really the getting back to the gospel. It's like knowing how generous our Father in heaven is. Mm -hmm. uh, he created the whole world. He share, he's sharing creation with us. He owns it all. 
You know, my name's on deeds, your name's on the deed of this house. This is the figment of our imagination. Yeah. He owns it all. He just lets us play with paper and pens. We're processors, <laughs> you know, courthouses. Oh, it's recorded in the courthouse. So what? God owns it all. Uh, so we we need to go to him and ask him what he wants us to do with this stuff. He his When he gave his son, he didn't have to do that. And that sacrifice that Christ made, that we go back to Christ, and he's, he's the one who gives us the grace to do what he wants for us to live as he wants us to walk. So it really gets back to that. So really, for, for me as a Christian, it has to do with placing my trust in Christ and, and believing that he's going to show me the way and then empower me to, to follow his will. And I find direction in the Word of God, in the Bible. Uh, I didn't think it was practical at all until I... The Lord opened my eyes to it. I have a friend who's a writer, and he's written these novels. He's never been published, and they're like six or 700 pages long. He's written like three of them. Uh, I've discussed the Bible with him a number of times because I share my faith with him, and he thinks the Bible is the best literary work that's ever made. Yeah, it's incredible. It, yeah, yes, it is. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit. God hasn't moved on his heart. He hasn't given his heart to Christ. He, he he reads it completely differently than we would read it as Christians. So, but I look at it when I started getting teaching as a new believer, especially now, <laughs> starting then and, and now till last Sunday, even the word is so alive to me, and the teaching is so relevant uh, to my life. I, I, how many times have you been in, in church? And after the teaching's over, you, you look around at your friends at church and you say, well, I'm glad you're here, but that was for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The other 800 of you, I'm sure you somehow you got something, but that was really for me. <laughs> so, But that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But anyway, God can empower us to, to, to walk out of these bad situations, you know? What, so. what have you found to be some of the, the best practical ways people to pull themselves out of the red zone or debt into a place where they can give more generously well nobody likes discipline yeah but budgeting and tracking your your income and your expenses is you know first going to god and asking him to enable you to do it and if you have a sense that he wants you to do it that's a whole different thing than just making a, a new year's resolution if you feel like the Lord wants you to do it and you've asked him for the help and he's going to just believe it, in faith, he'll give you the grace. And he does. But uh, tracking your income and expenses is a big deal. I mean, like we have at our church, we have Dave Ramsey. Um, the Financial Peace University. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's helpful. That helps people kind of get out of debt, you know, which is a real bummer from, you know, and it doesn't matter what income level you're at. You can spend way more than what you make. It just doesn't matter what you, it, it matters what you make. Don't get me wrong, but on another level, it doesn't matter. It's really how much you spend. Uh, when after Bill helped me get out of my financial bond by giving me the word and giving me you know advice and this, this book about finances from God's perspective, I was able to help other families. I would counsel them, and they were in situ the same situation I was in, diff different but similar in the sense that I was out of control and they, and just help them show them some tools about budgeting. And, uh, but really fear, fear, uh, things that get in the way of generosity would be fear, mm. fear of the future, fear that God won't provide, you know, fear that you'll get sick or something fear, you know, just not trusting God. And I don't say just like it's a small thing. It's, it's a big deal to trust God. It's, it's, he gives us faith. It's the gift of faith that he gives us to trust him through these to, through life because their lives go up and lives go down. You know, our circumstances aren't always good, but we can rejoice in the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Um, what scriptures do you typically point people to when talking about generosity and, and giving? Well, um, You don't really start with generosity and giving. You know, it's like uh, in terms of it's instead of pursuing uh, financial capacity, 
It's like go, going to the Lord and and asking Him to help you live right. Yeah, I, I want to serve you, Lord. I want to I want to trust you. I want to honor you. You you go that way. And I want to be a good worker. I want to honor you at my my job or in the business I have. And then the Lord will bring, you know, He'll bring the prosperity that you need to to be the mar create a margin in your life in your budget and everything. So. But the Bible has, a, there's like 2,350 verses regarding uh, money and possessions. That's a lot. So I've actually sent you the link. I saw it. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to defer to Howard Dayton. He's the one who put that together many years ago. Okay. That, we'll we'll share the link in our bio yeah, share, for this. Share the, yeah, share the, the share link. Notes. Share the link. But um, in Matthew... Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew six, yeah, yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you. It's like that. That to me is critical. Seeking first the kingdom of God, and all. The, it's like he, when we can trust him, that he he'll provide for us. We can trust him with the stuff once he gives it to us, and if we make what he's given to us available to others, that's simplicity. That's you know, Foster wrote that. Uh, that's living a life of simplicity. That's the way God wants us to, and we can have peace in that. If we don't do that, we'll have anxiety. Yeah, you know, if we do those things. So, so, can you say that one more time about the living simplicity? So, trusting what He's given, and then you said something else after that. Uh, let me let me do better than that. Let me read it so I can get it right. If I can find it, Foster. If we if what we have we receive as a gift, and if what we have is to be cared for by God, and if what we have is available to others, then we will possess freedom from anxiety. Mm. This is the inward reality of simplicity. And in his article, Foster starts out with Matthew 6. Got it, okay. Seeking first the kingdom of God. And he talks about, you don't, and you don't go, people talk about a simple lifestyle, no, you don't want a simple lifestyle. You want to seek first the kingdom of God. You know, you don't, like, you, we can get issue-oriented, but really what you want to do is seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So that bringing God's kingdom, his authority, his order into your life. And that's and that's how, how we can prosper in him. Mm, so. That's good. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's beautiful. What would you say... What would you say are some ways outside of the typical uh, tithing that people, like are there any organizations, are there any uh, things that you hold close to your heart that you feel, uh, you know, people could be, you know, you know sending funds to or, or anything so, like that? So when we share this uh, retreat, from generous giving. There's an organization called Generous Giving, and there's a retreat called the Journey of Generosity that my wife and I facilitated. We uh, actually sign a pledge that we won't tell people where to give or how much to mm. give. So, but that's when we're doing the Journey of Generosity retreat. We're not doing that right now. <laughs> so, I'll share a few th things you know that that we love. I, I want to encourage everybody first to look to their own church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's so many opportunities to serve one another in our own church community, in our community group. And as we get to know people and, you know, and you see a falling apart car in the parking lot, or you see a single mother, or yeah. you see a widow, or you see a guy who just lost his wife, or whatever, whatever it is. There's all kinds of situations we can see in our own church. Uh, Covenant Mercies, we love Covenant Mercies. So for us in 2016, it was a pivotal year in our lives. 2016, I just sold the business to the guys that were doing all the work anyway. We were just doing our property management and our apartment stuff. Um, and I'd been, we, we were like in between, we were living in Brigantine, getting our house together here. And I spent a lot of time asking the Lord about like hey, my, the next phase, the next cycle for my life. And that's when he introduced us to generous giving and, and the stories about, outrageous stories about generosity that a lot of these people have, have put on 
on their site so to encourage us we don't need to emulate them or you know try to model just like they do but to, they're they're going the the stories are going to god and getting directed by the lord to do these things um i'm losing track where were we <laughs> <laughs> no worries you had mentioned covenant mercies yeah so covenant mercies so in 2016, I did that. The Lord was showing us that stuff about Christians, how God wanted to lead me differently in my, in my business career. But we went to Africa for the first time in 2016 with Doug Hayes. Uganda? Uganda, Ethiopia, and Zambia. Okay. Blew our minds. We visited the first family in um, Zambia, and I told Doug, maybe you should take me home now. I've got enough. I got about all I can handle. <laughs> the Lord opened up my heart in, in a way that I, I was amazed because we'd been supporting Covenant Mercies, but when we actually were there and met the families, and I just had a privilege of doing that again, meeting with some families of children that are being, you know, supported by Covenant Mercies uh, in Liberia. So I just did that. But that was amazing, that trip and, and vision trips. I always avoided the vision trips. I would just. I would like donate money to guys that were going to Africa to build things, but I would go to Costa Rica to go surf. You know, and I had a vision that maybe someday God would use us somehow to help churches in Costa Rica. I didn't know when or how that would happen. It's been happening in the last three years, but it didn't happen for like many years before that, but it's happening now. Um, but Covenant Mercies is awesome. Uh, it's great. Like it's, it's hard to, to, uh, uh, duplicate that experience doug can send out the videos and yeah. the stories and everything but boy yeah. mm -hmm. meeting the families and being there and sovereign grace uh, you know we've been involved in sovereign grace churches frankly from the beginning uh but really since 2016 and especially in the last three years god has just shown us all these things about sovereign graces and especially the international ministry that we're so excited about it's something god is doing so there's about 90 churches or 85 or 90 churches in sovereign grace now and there's like over 100 churches that are looking to come into sovereign grace internationally god is drawing all these churches to sovereign grace and i've gotten to travel to visit some of these churches and see how excited not just the pastors and their wives but the people in the churches are about hearing what god has to say using our pastors from sovereign grace and it's glorious and we want to get behind that and it's a it's something i'm I, I want people to know that how how great that is i've had i've had the opportunity to go on a few trips uh you know to see, to witness that and i encourage other people in our churches to do that or and if it's not if you're not in a sovereign grace church whatever denomination you're in just seek the lord for these things i just couldn't imagine until the last three or four years that god would put val and i in a position like this to have such a heart for international ministry but he's done it mm, it's beautiful so, yeah so th this th th they're right in front of us they're always there yeah uh you know um living waters is they're built they're building wells all over the world yeah living waters um Water missions, another one like that. Um, you know, we give to pro-life gr groups. You know, so it, Chester County Women's—that's different name now, but there's different groups we give to. You know, di so different, different. Uh, you know, there's mercy, mercy type uh, giving. Uh, there's discipleship type giving. There's evangelistic. There's international missions. So all those different things we we try to to get involved in. So. But looking first to the things you already know about them, we thank God that He's put people in our lives that that we can trust mm, yeah. with the finances, and that's what I think people need to look for. And if and it's good to ask around it to to talk to people, other people that you know, to, to who do you know that you trust and who has a, a really good track record. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's huge. I think supporting the local church and just looking at the local church. There's so many. I know like when our daughter was in the hospital, all the community groups rallied together and they, and they sent us, you know, gift cards for the food and stuff when, you know, we couldn't work and we were in the hospital for somebody. It was such a huge blessing. 
um, such a hard time. So yeah, it's, it's so true that there, there's a lot of generosity that goes on in, in our church yeah. that people don't know about because that's the way we people do things. Yeah, but, yeah. There, but it's a glorious thing to see the Christ's love being expressed that way, you know, in the church and 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 outside the church, you know, and uh, to churches that aren't part of Sovereign Grace and also to unbelievers. It just you know, God pours out His mercy and grace on everybody. Yeah. Well, His grace is different kinds of grace, but as far as His mercy, He's merciful to all of us. So. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, it looks like we should start wrapping up. So I think, Bob, first and foremost, we want to thank you for being on. But uh, before we end the episode, do you have any uh, anything you'd like to share that we didn't cover? Maybe touch on something uh, that you didn't fully get into? Any advice that you just want to? general advice that you just want to give to our listeners? I think uh, when we run into situations that we think are going to take us down and are really challenging, it's really an opportunity for us to draw closer to Christ, to closer to God. And in that, in those times of my need, that's when he's spoken to me the most and it's been, you know, really encouraged me in my weakness. So I think that's, something i want people to to know that in our weakness he's he's strong and we can trust him that's good i say we wrap it up there yeah i couldn't i couldn't end it better myself awesome all right guys thanks for listening thanks for rocking with us with that we will catch you on the next episode